0: Me wonder.
1: guys welcome to the office chats podcast today your host peter maybe is going to be hosting a conversation that is very important um i think especially considering the context of the country within uh the current climate of the world that we're in as well uh, i think mental health is a very important conversation hint hint that's the conversation today but most so importantly relative to the t- professions that our guests are within uh it's important to kind of cover their journeys within what they do for a living and also more so to the advocacy they do in the space of mental health as well. And I think that's gonna shed light on us understanding the importance of kind of talking about mental health, but also on the back end side, because sometimes we always speak about the issue of mental health, but we never speak about people within the space. Uh, and more importantly, people who ha- take concern about it and kind of play keystone roles in kind of changing the world and how people view the issues around mental health and other stigmas related to the mind Uh, so what that's what today is going to be about just covering those dynamics around these people's lives and also the issue around mental health on a global and societal scale Uh, but before we start i think it would be important for me to give proper introductions but what we're actually going to do is each person is going to have the opportunity to just give a simple brief explanation of who they are what they do what they're based where they're based and anything other important information they need other people to know uh, so, I guess I'm going to go in sequence of how I view people on my screen. So, Noctuela, the floor is yours. Just give everyone a simple introduction of who you are and, yeah, anything you want to share shortly.
2: Um, good evening, everyone. Um, thank you, Peter, for having me. Um, I'm very passionate about mental health, so it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I am as already introduced, Nook Tula. I am a Masters of Commerce in Industrial and Organizational Psychology student from the University of the Free State. I am originally from the Northern Cape. I moved um, to the Free State to start my tertiary education. Started in 2017, completed my bachelor's in 2019, um, where I majored in Industrial Psychology, passed a distinction, then went on to do my honours and become honours in industrial psychology, also fortunate enough to pass the distinction. And then I started my master's in industrial psychology. I started last year um, and I finished my coursework and moved to Cape Town this year to do my practical side, my internship um at um tfg so i'm based in cape town now um, i'm an intern industrial psychologist um and i deal with the psychometrics so i'm basically in the psychometrics team
1: perfect perfect i think yeah perfectly summed up uh guess to sequence and pour uh just switch on your mic and give everyone a simple introduction of who you are you know add some flavor if you want
3: <laughs> All right, thank you so much Peter for that. Hi everyone. Uh my name is and I am based in the east of Johannesburg but then um, in terms of practicing and psychology I'm based in Midrand at a private mental health clinic called Siwaya Wellness and I also have my own private practice called Oguse Counseling and I am a school counselor for Curo. I'm a registered counselor for um, a different variety of varsities and I am also a registered counselor counsellor for a private clinic in Rosebank called Gena Health and overall I'm just a mental health activist and I'm very passionate about um, mental health and higher education. Thank you.
1: Perfect thanks Paul. I guess Dr Chido unless you want to be called Chido uh, but yeah the floor is yours you can just switch on your mic and give everyone a nice introduction of who you are.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, my name is Chido Siame. I am a medical doctor. I just like to be called Chido. Dr. Chido is, is a bit much, especially after hours. Um, yeah, uh, about me, I studied at Tux at the University of Pretoria, finished medicine in 2009, um, and then did my internship at the GEN, <clears throat> commserve at a clinic in the West Strand. And um, yeah, I've been in practice for over a decade. I'm into primary health care. At the moment, I'm in the HIV space, which I'm passionate about, but I'm also really passionate about mental health, especially in the African context. And when we look at, um, you know, just growing up black and, and what our parents have been through, that kind of space is, is where I do a lot of my advocacy. I'm a mom of two boys. Um, so mental health for men also is, is top of, of my advoca- adv- advocacy <laughs> um, sort of uh, list. So yeah, that's me, Chido.
1: Perfect, perfect. And last, not least, uh, Cindy Swah, the floor is yours. Uh, As they say, the last person drops the mic after they give the introduction.
2: (laughs) Um, Hi, everyone.
4: Thank you, Peter, for this great platform to speak about a very important issue um as introduced I'm Cindy Soa, based in Dachiso I'm a licensed wellness counselor but very much rooted in community work I'm also a founder of mental health NPO that promotes mental health in primary schools and my biggest passion and my biggest aim is to just create accessibility to mental health care and mental health information. So thank you so much for having me and yeah that's me.
1: Perfect I think yeah everyone's given a uh, overview of who they are what they do and where they're based and I think that's good enough but I think obviously as we're having the conversation People get more knowledge about what you do in terms of your your responsibilities, in terms of your role, your job and so forth, but also on a personal level about how, especially the topic around your profession, also mental health links to you as an individual. And I guess that's the important thing to treat you guys as an individual and not necessarily your title or your your, so your job. Because you are people as well. And obviously, even these kind of topics do relate to you as human beings as well. So I think that's mm-hmm. important context to kind of illustrate. But I guess before we start necessarily the full, deeper, deeper side of the conversation, um, typically every episode, I try to start the conversation with a quick, you know, quick answer, quick fire questions that you know, try to keep your answer short. Uh, so what I'm gonna do obviously I've asked some people have obviously asked me some questions. And again, this is very casual. So please don't have Google on the site there and you have like really how do I answer this question? You're uh, but com- obviously, these are going to be very simple questions that people have asked me. And these are more sort if these are myths, if these are truths, I mean, truths and not and so forth. Uh, so from the same sequence, you've obviously introduced ourselves. I'm going to continue with that same sequence. Uh, so yeah, uh, but then most importantly, if you have any questions, feel free to interject or you can, if you know Zoom, you can just raise your hand or whatever the case be. Uh, but let's just try, obviously, for the sake of time, keep your answers not too long winded. Uh, for the sake of time. But I guess the first question I have, and this was one of the questions that started the idea of having the podcast uh, episode around mental health. And I guess I'll start, obviously, with Nokutula. Uh, there there's obviously stigma around mental health. And the person made a statement to me in reference to, probably asked one of you guys, is that mental health is a first world problem. And I want to see if, what's your interpretation or your view on that particular point is you know what is your view is mental health something that's reserved for the quote-unquote privileged um and i guess the context of that of what he was saying when you explained it to me because i asked him what do you mean he was basically saying that look as a person in africa i have a job i have responsibilities that my mental health comes takes a back burner because i'm trying to survive i'm trying to you know make a living and just do okay so what's your view on that particular statement mental health is a first world problem you can just unmute yourself
2: Mental health is a what problem?
1: First world problem.
2: Hmm. He elaborated and said what? Please repeat.
1: Uh, so he basically said that as a typical African person, you have so many other responsibilities. You have your family, you're always trying to get a job, you're trying to feed yourself, that your mental state kind of takes the back burner. You, you to go see a therapist becomes, <sighs> I'll, I'll deal with it later kind of thing. What's your view on that? Is that true? Is it is not, not important? Uh you just unmute yourself. Yeah.
2: This question is actually a trigger because I have been there um, and I've had that thought and I've shared that same sentiment sentiment until I reached complete burnout. So um I think when you are at that stage, you I wouldn't want to say you lack education thereof, but the importance of it is not emphasized as yet until you reach complete burnout. I think we have this issue where we want to experience things first and experience um, the negative or an impaired mental health first before we understand the importance thereof. So it's a myth, yes, that statement is a myth. Um, and it shows that we need to educate more.
1: So, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. I think you know, I'd probably agree with you in that case. Although I guess maybe to now lead to the second question, I'll go to Impor. Um Obviously, you've heard the question around this—the the idea that it's a first-world problem. In in your in your view, and your maybe your profession, uh, when it comes to the subject of mental health, um, is there issue around access? In terms of one, you need to have money to see someone when you have mental health issues. Always, oh, is that not the, is,
3: that, is that not the case, simple. Okay, um, I think this goes both ways now. So the first one, I'd say that yes, in terms of access, um, when we look at the structure of South Africa and how it is. Um, or oh, the only people that are able to actually access quality mental health services are people that live in suburbs are people that live in more um posh areas or, or more good looking areas. Whereas if you look at like the, dis, the, the more of the like um, disadvantaged places, there isn't much access into mental health in those spaces. And if there is access to mental health, then it's not um services of quality that are delivered to those people. So there are services in a way they are limited. And then, can you please repeat the other parts of the question so that I can remember, Ish, my mind is working over time.
1: No, I think you've kind of answered it, but it's just mostly to understand access of mental health. Is it an issue around money or is it other barriers that, in your view?
3: Also, I think it's just a matter of education, you know, as Noctula said the fact that uh, people aren't really educated when it comes to mental health especially black people, black people still think that uh, mental health is a white man's disease and it's never a black person's disease hence it's easier for black people to take anything that's related with mental health and put it um, backwards and then focus on on other things that they deem to be more important than their actual mental health so when the breakdowns and the mental breakdowns, the emotional breakdowns happen that's when people only pay attention to mental health and the impact that mental health can have on your overall function
1: okay now i think that's that's perfectly kind of gives illustration around one not necessarily just limited to money but also issue around education around the topic of mental health so i think that's very well contextualized and i think we're going to delve a bit into that as well uh chido on your side and this is another not necessarily a question, but a statement, and maybe you can just demystify if it's wrong, or you know, prove if it's right. Uh, and, and I'm trying to phrase this in a way because the way the person asked this is a bit very blurry. But the question, or the statement is, uh, avoidance is not always bad, and he basically left it at that. So his context is distraction is not always a bad thing when you have a challenge of mental health. What's your view on that?
0: Um, Okay. In the way that I understand the question, I think um, distraction, if you're saying, you know, distract yourself away from um, focusing on the issue, perhaps now you are feeling down. You think you might have depression and then you want to distract yourself. Or maybe you've had trauma and you're like, okay, let me focus on something else. Let me focus on work. I don't think that is a good thing. So when you say it's not always bad, um, you shouldn't distract yourself from dealing with issues. If you're starting to see your mood is going down or you're feeling overly anxious, it's something that you need to look into and see, do I need help? Am I coping? Um, I think there are some types of distraction. That's not really a distraction, but it's more of um, I wouldn't call it a coping mechanism, but the things that we do to increase our, our mental health and wellness. So, if you say, you know, I, I know that I'm struggling, I'm having a depressive episode at the moment, I'm using depression as an example, um, I'm going to start running, I'm going to take up running. You're not distracting yourself, but you're um, bringing in activities that increase serotonin, which is the happy hormone in the blood, and you are not focused completely to be like, oh my goodness, this is me, and I'm stuck here, and, I, and, 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 and. So, I sort of agree, but to say distraction, I wouldn't say, like, distraction Distraction is bad, but if you are dealing with things, but you also just don't completely focus on your mental health issue, but also, um, you know, you're, you're interacting with friends and you join a book club or you start running, that is a good kind of distraction, quote-unquote. Um, I just don't have a better word for it, but just activities that that help you become more well-rounded and um I'll stop there. I can talk a lot, so
1: I'll stop there. No, I think we'll have ample time for you to kind of give context around some of the topics we're going to cover. And I guess, lastly, Cindy, I guess on your part, and maybe this is to lead into the actual conversation. The difference in your view between, and this is, someone asked this, so maybe, obviously, it's not maybe a lack of knowledge. Who knows? Education is a thing, I guess. Uh, Mental illness versus mental health is that one thing or is it a different thing in your in, from your perspective
4: um in my perspective mel- mental illness is actually what you go through during the dysfunction you know, in terms of spectrum if we were if we to say um, mental illness is when your mental health is not well taken care of, then you might be prone to having a mental illness such as depression, such as anxiety. Those are all illnesses that are caused by a dysfunction of sorts, right? So mental health is a practice, right? So you practice mental health daily. So that is um, talking about your emotions, being uh, self-aware of how you feel, being able to communicate and set boundaries now that is mental health being able to practice it is very different from being ill I don't know if I answered that it's not I, I, the same
1: yeah I, I think I think you did um, yeah and I think there is some variation around the two and maybe some interlink of of how they two relate to each other but there are differences as you mentioned so I think yes. the, the, some some of these a couple of other questions but I think we'll just reserve them for either later or some other discussion. Now to get the conversation rolling, and I and I want to start because obviously sometimes you kind of detach yourself from the from the conversation, and I want to bring it back to you, bring it home. If they, as the as the turn goes, you know we're human beings and we all go through experiences, and maybe to start with Noctula on your side and what has been your journey in terms of one obviously psychology being something that obviously you are in the space from almost in the industrial side, but in context to that, mental health linking to what you do for a living? And i asked ask this question in the context that, for example, I'm in the financial space, if you want to call it that, or uh, financial institution, or FSP, so forth. Uh, but people, obviously, relative to their jobs and their professions, experience different challenges, but most so your journey into your profession, and relative to that, what impact has your mental health been impacted by that? If you can just switch on your mic.
2: I need three hours for this answer. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, yo, I, I, I want to start with the positives. Um I am I always say this: I am so fortunate to be in a field or in yeah, in a field of study where I am able to help people or where I would be able to help people and at the same time help myself. Because um, as I'm going through my studies, I'm learning a lot more about myself, and I'm learning a lot more on how to um, and how to, to to improve my own mental health. Um, I am not; I have not had the best um, mental health journey, um, and my studies has helped me to, to put titles to what I'm experiencing. Um, And it also helped me with understanding how to deal with um, what I'm going through. So um, I had lots of mental health issues um, in, I think it started in 2018, because I had a very um, unhealthy relationship with my academics. So I had what I would title as the overachiever syndrome. And um, for me, I lived a very, I lived. I didn't live a very balanced lifestyle. So I was all studies, studies, studies. Now you see the brain is like a car. And that's why I I read something recently that said to, to, to assist with the stigma around mental health, we should probably put it, we should probably rephrase it and say it's brain health. Because, and I'm going back to the brain is like a car. When you drive your car, you fill up your car with petrol and then you drive it. Um, and then you're driving, you're driving, you drive without fueling it. Um, it's obviously going to run out of petrol and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to die. That's how the brain is. And that's what I have experienced along, along my journey, um, along the way um, in terms of my academics. And my studies helped me to, or my field of study helped me to sort of deal with it um, when I reached complete burnout. So in 2018, I started, in te- I started experiencing intense anxiety symptoms. And at that point, I was this person who only wanted to achieve and achieve. And I was only focused on my academics. I only wanted to study, didn't do anything else. didn't I, I didn't attend any social events. I was only in front of my laptop the whole time. So I lived a very, I didn't live a very balanced lifestyle and it affected my mental health. And it was only last year where I actually understood, okay, this is what went wrong, this is what went wrong. Um, this is what you could have done because only then i had the understanding of the importance of psychological well being just the optimal functioning of the individual you need to live a balanced lifestyle you need to have a social life you need to have your academics you need to ensure that you are financially well like that different aspects of well being that needs to be taken care of for you to be to for you to be functioning optimally Otherwise, you you will experience what I have experienced burnout. I reached complete burnout last year. Luckily, my studies helped me, as I said. I was educated enough to know that okay, I'm burned out now. Don't have depression. I'm not in the position to to diagnose myself with depression. That's why I don't like I don't like it when people loosely use the word depression because um, you have symptoms of depression, and that's it. So. I was in the position to identify my symptoms of burnout and I knew that when I got to the doctor they were gonna refer me to a psychologist and yes they did and I was keen and I was open to go to go for therapy because I understood the importance of and I understood what what I experienced and she explained to me in 2018 I experienced this and this is and this is um, what caused it so I knew it Um, And I was open to therapy. So hence I said in the beginning, it's all education. If I was educated enough in 2018 to know that you need to live a balanced lifestyle, you can't just use your brain. You need to feel your brain. Then I would have made better decisions at that point. But I wasn't educated um, enough to do so. So um, I reached complete burnout. And that's how my studies helped me to accept where I am, understand what I need to do, um, going forward and I'm implementing these things and I always say I want to what I advocate I want to advocate to to high schools not high school students to primary school um, learners I need I think the foundation needs to start there we need to start educating there on the importance of living a balanced lifestyle for optimal functioning yeah so yeah I hope I wasn't too long oh, I can't <laughs>
1: I guess maybe it's it's a thing in the profession where, I guess, usually people obviously open up to you, maybe, and people try to express themselves, but maybe you have a lot also to share. Uh, but maybe this is the platform where you can open up and you can share your your, your thoughts and all that. Uh, but obviously, be cognizant of time. Um, Paul, I guess maybe relative to the question I asked, Noctula, um, on your part, what has been your journey into you being obviously in the clinical side as well, uh, and relative to mental health? And, and there was one point that you Noctula know, mentioned around, obviously, on an individual from a studying and point of view, but on your, in, on your individual capacity, maybe outside of work, how does mental health, you know, how do, how because sometimes also you can't kind of speak about it like in uh, from the negative aspect, but also what has been the highlights of the positive things relative to, you know, your career and your journey into your profession?
3: um I think one thing for me when it comes to the positive sides of mental health uh, from a professional standpoint for me, I think um, it has to be improvement in terms of your mental health as an individual because you know most people think that whenever a patient or a client comes to see you, um, the the what can I say the the work happens. For the client only but in actual fact it happens that you as the therapist while you are in the session while you are busy providing therapy and psychology you are actually getting healed within the process and you are improving as well within the process because i mean there's no therapist that wakes up and they are a good therapist it's 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 a journey you know it's a learning journey and i think the more you see improvement in, in your patients, the more you, as a therapist as well, you get to actually go the extra mile for your patients, and you actually get to um it it positively affects you because when we look at mental health and we look and when we look at ourselves as, as therapists, in all honesty, therapy and counseling they are emotionally taxing and they are mentally taxing. So knowing that what I'm putting out to another person is having a positive effect on them and it is improving their daily functioning and their lifestyle. It makes you have a positive outlook on the work that you do as a therapist. So I think for me on a a professional level, that is what keeps me going in terms of um, mental health. But then also on a personal level, I think self-care is very, very important, especially when it comes to myself. I really value self-care a lot because When you look at most of the patients that come into your office, you would actually be able to pinpoint from the introductory session that this person, the reason why they feel the way that they feel, it's because they lack within self-care, you know? So the, the point of all... Of this is to go back to self-care and make sure that you take care of yourself as an individual. You do things that can help you get to a point whereby you can actually say that you are mentally mentally healthy. So for me, self-care is very, very big, and I'm very big on encouraging self-care to other people so that they can also get to a point whereby they actually see themselves as valuable people that can add positively to society.
1: Perfect, perfect. Uh, I th- I think uh, that it's it, it, self care is very important. You know, and you know sometimes as a guy, sometimes self care is seen as it's, it's not our thing. You, know? you you just you just inherently just find things to do, and it just becomes your self care routine if you call it that. But I think just identifying things that speak to that, and you know, prioritizing that, and putting emphasis to it, and is very important as for all people. Uh, Chido, and I think just to extend to what the conversation has been flowing to, you're obviously a medical doctor and obviously, and some of the questions I even had, one from someone who's obviously leading towards becoming a doctor in relative to one, your profession, but also you obviously being a mother in this case as well. How do you balance, one, your career, and two, obviously, also typically in the medical field, I believe, I stand to be correct, is that it's very time consuming in terms of the amount of time that you have to kind of dedicate into growing your career in the medical space. But also one, obviously, now your personal life that you also have to manage. How has that been for you in that journey or in that context?
0: The journey has been so sucky. I'm still figuring it out. Um, that's that's the truth. I'm still figuring it out. I've been doing it. Um, my my oldest son is seven now, and I've been I'm still figuring it out because you do. And I think um, probably similar to everyone on this panel, uh, the the path we've chosen in terms of career, it's this. Usually you're a high achiever. You're a person who wants to do the best and be the best and be the top and what, what, what. Um, So you have to put in certain hours. It's been difficult. Um, So what I do sometimes, like say now I'm on call, um, I'm gone for like a day and a half. They don't see me. I don't, you know, drop them off in the morning like the other moms. They've become used to it but they struggle as well. So when I'm home, I try to be completely present. I try to be um, phone away. And so like now today I made an exception, but usually I don't do things after. Like if I've knocked off, I'm home and I'm mum. Otherwise you start to lose that connection and, and the kids will, my younger one is, is um, very expressive. And just the other day he was crying and he said to me, mom, you don't spend enough time with me. And this is a five-year-old who I'm glad he's able to identify his feelings and and say them um, and trust that I'll be able to do something about it. But it makes me sad. So I'm I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring it out um, one day at a time. So there's a lot of guilt there. Um, You're a mom, but in the workplace, you're a Black woman. So you have to work twice as hard as everybody else for people to, you know, tip their hat to you and say, okay, well, she's doing well. So... It's, it's it's a journey. It's a journey. And and you do, you feel guilty, you feel sad a little bit to be like, yo, these people, um, do they have a mom? Is this what moms do? You know, the mom who cooks like twice a week? Is that what moms do? But um, I'm figuring it out. And hopefully I won't, hopefully, hopefully it'll work out. I won't like damage them and then they'll need like therapy later. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: I
1: really appreciate that. I hope when your if your son ever sees this episode podcast episode, he's not going to recognize this is the people that took away time between <laughs> my, mom and son. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, perfect. <laughs> um, Cindy, so I, I guess to the flow of the conversation, I think we'll cover a few other points as well for the sake of time. What has been your journey and relatively so as well, how do you manage the aspect of your personal life relative to your career as well?
4: Um, yeah. Um, for me, um, especially, especially what Mpo says, I resonate with that a lot, because you actually do learn how to take better care of yourself in session with the client. Because personally, like I feel it's important for me to be truthful, you know, and to be genuine with my clients, because I cannot say. You must do something that I myself have never done. So most of the the techniques and most of the therapy sessions and activities I give my clients, I try by all means to practice them myself. So one of them that has really helped me because um, I am a poet, I'm a writer, but you would be surprised how sometimes I cannot identify how I feel at all. There's no connection with my feelings. So there's an activity I like doing with my clients that every day after work, you just switch off and you just ask yourself genuinely how you feel. And you use you just find one word or two words and you write them down and then you identify why you feel that way. And then you identify what did you do with that feeling? Just that activity alone has really helped me maintain my mental health because then it also helps you set boundaries. Because if today I felt frustrated and then at the end of the day, I identify why I felt frustrated. Then tomorrow I'll be able to say, okay, I'm feeling like this again. What can I change now so that later on in the day I feel good about myself? So that level of emotional awareness for me as a practice has been um, important because when you are in session with a client, and especially clients that have trauma, severe trauma, they pull you in their cloud because it happens. I'm a human and I have emotions and whatnot. So sometimes it's very easy to get sucked in their world and yourself feel like you're going through that. So it's very important in our profession to regulate and learn how to come out of there and just become a rat. Perfect. So that's what I do.
1: Yeah. And uh, and like you said, you know, applying what's, you know, not a case where separate yourself from your clients and, being able to actually see the practicality of what you're telling them can work or those kind of dynamics. So I really appreciate that. I think that's very important advice. Now, some questions that obviously speak to the podcast discussion. Um, And I think maybe I'll start the same sequence. Uh, You can probably just answer as short as possible is one, when it comes to mental health and obviously it's a very tough conversation for people to have, especially in the black family. And, you know, what is your kind of views around how we can navigate conversations around mental health and and maybe this is where i kind of bring my own personal experience as well so obviously being the last born and i come from a very quote unquote patriarchal, you know, the father is very doesn't express himself he's the guy who goes to work comes home expects food to be cooked for him and growing up my father and my our conversations were you know how school are you, you know, are your grades, you know, did you do this? Did you do your chores? And here and there, obviously you have conversations if you're not, if you're quiet, is everything okay? You know, and it particularly, and this is probably a conversation that will probably also have probably leading to the end. Sometimes obviously, say, I'll go pray about it. And obviously I'm spiritual and from, from how I grew up. But sometimes the conversation never speaks to actual speaking about how you're feeling. And what is your view around mental health relative to the family dynamics?
2: not to it sure that is that is that is a deep one because it is so unfortunate that um we know enough like we we know we we see we read we hear but it's difficult to to impose that or to 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 inform our parents so um but what we can do is, start with the smaller ones like that those are the those are the that's where we can have control um with the adults we need to have mild conversations you know dad this is how i'm feeling and this is possibly what could lead what is leading to this this is the environment that you're creating so it's that mild conversations that you can have but we need to invest more in our younger. Um, generation, um, our kids. That's where we have ninety percent control. Like I wouldn't want to say complete control, but like that's where we can, where we have control, um, and just have mild conversations with your dad. You sent me to school. I, I always have these conversations, mother. Like you sent me to school. This is the education that I'm getting. This is what this is what are they this is what they say. I, I show proof, I present states. This is how South Africa is looking. This is how I'm feeling. This could possibly be why I'm feeling this way. So it's just that having conversations and different types of conversations with different types of generations.
1: Perfect. Um, I think Paul is gonna join us back. I think she just had network issues. Uh, so I guess I'll go to Chido just to rotate back to her. Um, and you've obviously heard the question I asked Noctula around, obviously, the f- back Black family dynamics that speak to mental health. And this is now a, a, the point around vulnerability. And I was having this kind of thought, I was obviously thinking about what kind of questions to obviously gauge into with this conversation around. Is vulnerability sometimes a bad thing in a way? Sometimes it can also be, depending on who you you, you expressing your challenges or your mental health issues with it. like you know is, is, do you have to be selective and what kind of criteria do, or what kind of or is it a case of only speak to professionals and you know if, if you got mental health issues i can't go to my parents i can't go to my if i have a girlfriend i can't go to her how do you navigate that about who you speak to who you be vulnerable to you
0: it's tricky hey um because you you do vulnerability is important um but you have to be selective because some Some people don't have the tools um, that might be required. Most people don't have the tools. I mean, look in the Black family um, dynamic, raising boys. And I'm experiencing this now in 2022. If my son falls and hurts himself and he's crying, you'll see people walking past, why are you crying? Boys don't cry that kind of, that's teaching them that you you don't, you must keep these things. You don't, you know, express emotions and the, it's little things like that. So we have to learn that it's okay to be open and it's okay to say, look, guys, I'm struggling. I think with the parents, um, I would want my children to be able to come and speak to me. I might not have all the tools because I'm not a qualified therapist or somebody, but I can sub- support in some way. Um, I don't think though that you should listen, speak to whoever will listen because being vulnerable is like, taking off your clothes and standing on a mountaintop so are people going to laugh at you and be like "Ooh, look at this one or they're going to be like okay this is what they're feeling um I don't have the answers but I can get you help so you need to be able to discern that and sometimes it's difficult but hopefully yeah if if in doubt I think speak to a professional because um some people can say some stuff that's that's damaging or that'll you know throw a person off completely um, you know, like for example, suicidal thoughts. If you think, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of hurting myself, a person's response to that can either like take you off the ledge or push you over. So yeah.
1: Very true. And I guess now leads to another point. Questions for the sake of time. And I think uh Mpo and Noctula will probably join us back. Um, Cindy, saw, there was a question that I obviously was asked. To ask and this is relative to maybe this is a question i hope everyone was able to hear but i was too probably laid back to everyone else as well is there's an aspect whereby obviously you being a person someone comes to when they have some challenges or they want to speak about you know mental health or their experiences any thoughts that they have to be vocal to you about them do you find that because in african context there's obviously priests their elders there's, you know, there's so many dynamics of people who hold responsibility. Do you think there's a disconnect between people coming to your services versus those going, relying on, obviously, religious institutions, you know, traditional healers, you know, even social media, even if you want to edit that. What's your view on that?
4: Um, My view on that, I've always said, Nepita, that especially churches and especially traditional healers, anyone that sits with another person and talks into their life, I feel for one, they must be very well equipped and trained to deal with issues that might arise. Because you find that sometimes people are facing um, anxiety or depression or having an an, uh, uh, episode of depression, right? And then now they go see they go see a traditional healer. And then because they are ill-equipped to deal with the matter that is being presented to them, they then channel them into parts whereby they might have not uh, necessarily had to go to. So I feel it's very important for them to be well-equipped, not really Deeply, you know, not really go for the whole degree, but understand the different problems that people have and be able to identify them. And it's so great to see churches like pastors and all being equipped and learning about emotional intelligence and learning how to spot trauma and all of that and having hiring counselors in the church because we are all... um task to help someone that comes to you asking for help and i feel that um churches because if they don't come to me they're going to go to church they're going to go to traditional healers and then we all should be equipped to be able to help you know, know when, okay, this is not a spiritual uh, issue. This is a clinical issue. Uh Let me refer this person to a psychologist. Okay, this is not a, a spiritual issue. Let me call a social worker. They must know when to engage us and know how to help people that come to them. So I really feel that it is, because uh, we can't, especially our profession, there are few of us, you know, hence there's so many, uh titles so you find a community like mine there's like one psychologist and like three counselors having to serve a whole society and community um some are going to fall through the cracks but if a church can get to them or a traditional healer can get to them then they can refer them and send them out or help them themselves
1: perfect yeah and yeah, it's very important kind of because one of the things that I was obviously doing research is there's also issue around the availability of resources. So considering the dynamics of the pandemic of mental health in our society, the amount of people available to assist people, there's an issue around that. And whether the question is, are those people also well equipped to provide their services within these communities if there's already not enough people available to provide uh, these mm-hmm. kind of services uh, which are within and I guess I'll go to Noctula not after this, but let me start with Cheeto. Then I guess some Paul will hopefully join us just before we wrap it up uh, for the sake of time. Uh, Cheeto, obviously, you're in the medical space, and there's a conversation around obviously the physical health of people. And one, obviously, if considering issues around HIV uh, being a big issue, it's not necessarily a big issue within the society because obviously the stigma is obviously reducing. And one of that obviously with a stigma such as that of a disease, for people to be one vulnerable, uh, but also relative to that link of mental health in, you know, there's a stigma of something out there. And because you have that, whether it's an illness or whatever it be, the ability to obviously be able to be vocalized around obviously I'm sick or I'm not feeling well. How do you experience that as a doctor? Do people like is this is a case of hey, Yes, I'm just sick and uh, help me out. When it comes to your patients, if you can call them that, is, is, is it a case where people who are able to vocalize? And as a doctor, what is your kind of, if, if you're to kind of from hindsight or speaking from the outside, speaking in, you know, what kind of tips would you say for someone to come to you and say, hey, look, I'm not feeling well physically and relative to that, my mental health as well?
0: Thanks, Peter. That's that's such a loaded question, um, because I think there still is a lot of stigma, um, just like with HIV, with mental health, because it's all like, oh, this one is crazy. Oh, this one. That's that's what people, they might not say it to you, but that's how people feel. And so you'll find a lot of the time patients don't, they won't come. Um, a certain demographic will, and I, I must say, it's more of the white patients and, or, or more, you um, a certain demographic amongst the Black population, but the majority won't. They'll come with, um, oh, my tummy's sore, and oh, I'm tired, and oh, my back is sore, like non-specific symptoms. And if, as, as I've learned, as I've, you know, gained experience over the past 12 years or so, I know how to pick it up now. And I'll be like, oh, okay, we can definitely sort that out. Um, but so how are things at home? And if you delve into that, usually, like within the next five minutes, you're getting tears because the person is not well. They just don't know how to tell you that it's not here, but it's it's here. Um, so I think education, um, like in Noctula and... Um, Cindy Swa also and Paul mentioned education is so important for us to remove the stigma. It's just your brain chemistry. You, you spoke about brain health noctula. It's your brain chemistry that's off. It's not you. It's not. There's nothing wrong with you. Just like a diabetic, there's nothing wrong with them. Their sugars just don't balance because they don't have insulin. So it's not you. Your, your hormones are just not balanced. We can fix it. Um, I think, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of education that's needed in terms of being uh, allowing the patients to be able to speak up and say, I'm anxious. I'm sad. I'm burnt out. I'm, I'm having PTSD symptoms. Yeah. Um, and then the second part of your question, I've forgotten because I've spoken so much now, but I think, yeah, that's my response.
1: No, That's perfect. I think we'll, we'll come back into any other con- context around that question uh, just before we wrap it up for the sake of time. Uh, Noctula, then we'll go to Mpoh. Uh, Noctula, obviously you had the conversation so far around one in relation to patients, uh, the context around vulnerability. And maybe to jump into this particular area of mental health and in this current generation of the young profession professionals, and also those who are still in the educational space in terms of being students, is social media. And I want to hear what's your take on the impact of social media. Is it, is it, a, is it a case of, you know, hey, that app just deleted, or is it a case of, you know, people have to restrict and maybe I'm, I'm over explaining to try guide the question, but what is your simple view on the issue of social media? Is it a concern? Should I be blocking people? Should I be checking out what's trending? What's your take? No.
2: Can you hear me? Uh yes. Okay. <laughs> um it goes back to my first view, balance, um, and not overusing it, because even with your phone, like Using your phone for too much, besides what is on your phone, just the light, um, having the phone in your hand. You are using parts of your brain. It's going to deplete. So it's going to deplete your brain. So it's about balance. Social media can be there. Yeah. It has its... um. What do you call this? It has... We we have this comparison. We are in this comparison trap where we compare ourselves to people. So it has its pressures, but we should start balancing our time in such a way that we don't spend too much time on social media, not on social media, on your phone in general. Like we also used to having. We are in the Zoom meeting, but I'm also watch, I'm also checking out my WhatsApp. So now you're dividing your brain um, and you, you're using it here and there. But after this, you don't understand, and then after this, you don't understand why you're tired. It's because you 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 used your multitasking. So it's a matter of we need to learn how to balance our time and plan our things in such a way that you don't spend too much time on social media. I mean, if you dedicate two hours or one hour um to social media. From between 8 and 12, or between 8 and 10, let me be realistic. Um, then you're not gonna, you're not gonna have lots of time to see Michelle um, or whoever's, let me not call names, or you're not gonna feel pressurized by whoever's live is coming up next, because you've only dedicated this amount of time on social media and also um, Yeah, you've only dedicated this amount of time on social media. And also it's a thing of control. So it's control and balance. You control what you view on social media. You control what you see on social media. There's a series called, I don't want to dive into it too long because of time. Um, There's a series on social media. I'm not sure um, what's it called, where it shows how people with algorithms control um, what you see on social media. So next thing you view, you view X, Y, Z, for example, and then they bring things up that relates to that. And next thing you are on your phone for two hours, where you would have been on your phone for 30 minutes if you had controlled and balanced your time. So it's control and balance. Social media can be there. They, it
1: depends on the individual. Perfect. And, you know, the, the way I have so many questions around different topics and apologies if I'm trying to go through different areas and you're not speaking to the same topics altogether. But obviously you have the opportunity if you want to chip in here and there, uh, interject if you want. Because um, it's one of the other relative questions to social media, which is his own topic, was obviously someone obviously was having a conversation around, you know, social media and mental health. And the point that was referred to me is that sometimes, for example, he he's uses TikTok a lot and says, sometimes it just increases my dopamine. And what's, what's the other word you used? I can't remember, like it's a chemical, you know, that, you know, it just brings you joy. You just, you know, you want to laugh because maybe you're going through a lot in life. And because of that, socially media becomes that kind of, I don't want to say escapism, but it gives you that kind of grace of not dealing directly with it. And maybe that speaks to the earlier question around, you know, distractions, but that's its own question. And Paul, obviously, I see you raised your hand. Uh, So, yeah, you can obviously add on if you want to mention something. Floor's yours.
3: All right. um thank you so much i wanted to add on to what noktila was saying to say that you know with social media now i think one of the things that people don't realize is that social media on its own is a form of addiction people can get addicted to social media and with that addiction it comes with a lot it comes with sleeping disorders it comes with increased suicidal thoughts and actions and what what other thing that um makes people go towards more of the suicide route is the fact that people don't monitor what they have access to on social media so if people actually were able to limit what they have access to it would actually be able to help them to be uh, to stay less on social media because with most patients that I've seen who have so who have problems with social media, it happens that with these patients, um, it increases their anxiety. They see things such as COVID-19 killing people, they see things such as unemployment, they see a lot, a, a lot of things that are related with GPV. And that thing, it increases their, their um, anxieties. And people end up having things such as anxiety disorders or even depression because what they are currently going through or what they are currently seeing um about the world is what is giving them all those thoughts that they currently have and that is all due to social media so social media is is quite dangerous if it's not controlled as noxula did say I
1: appreciate that uh for the sake of time and i'll try my best to at least if, if, if possible, we can try to finish up. If, if you guys come up with at least five past seven, If I try my best. So please try at least you know at least keep your questions short. Uh, but again, you know, I don't want to limit you to express yourself. Uh, but for the sake of time, I hope I can just rush through everything else and then we can just try wrap it up with your final statements. Uh, I'll go to Sindiswa and then we'll go to Chido after that. And then we can just probably try add a few, and uh, one more question that can relate to everyone else before we depart. Um, you know, I obviously had the questions and Paul mentioned a good point around addiction. And you know, there's there's a conversation around substance abuse and relative to mental health. And, you know, I was thinking because there, there was there was a there was an episode in, well, not episode, but there was a there was a discussion on TV. I think it was a documentary or like a ENCA discussion around alcohol usage, you know things like weed you know all these kind of things and how south africa is having a high prevalence of usage on these particular do you think the consumption of or usage of certain whether it's alcohol you want to call recreational whatever you want to call them is linked to mental health or do you think in a country like south africa it's a case of uh we, we we love we love entertaining ourselves through these kind of mechanics and stress relief, I guess if you want to put it like that. What's your take on that, that issue around substance or alcoholism if you that's that's the that's the point.
4: Mm-hmm. All right. Um I volunteered at the rehab center for a year. So um really it is both ways. It's about balance. Really, truly, you must be able to know when I've, you've had enough of alcohol, for instance, right? Um, But in terms of ab- abusing of drugs and addictions and all of that, most of the time, 80% of the time, it is escapism. Right. Um, and especially you're just trying to just escape from something that's bothering you or a reality that's just too hard for you. So um the the rehab that I was volunteering in was in um Gahiso in the township. So I'll deal with a lot of young people. So 20% of it, 25% is peer pressure. Really, truly someone will say, hey, I started doing this because so-and-so is doing that. Um, And hence, I also do a lot of awareness campaigns, anti-bullying campaigns in primary schools, resiliency, self-awareness, because it starts from a young age to be able to say, you know what, that is not who I am and understanding your self-concept and being okay with where you are and seeking out help so it is about entertainment and 80 percent is escapism we're trying to just feel better numb ourselves go into a world where all things are pretty and balloons um and not really dealing with the matter at hand so yeah that's my answer it's Mostly, it's escapism, and it's truly related to mental health. If you are not resilient, if you don't have proper coping mechanisms, if you don't are not don't have a proper self-concept, you are full prey to um, peer pressure. You fall prey to um, thinking things and trying to escape. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Um, I guess I'll go to Chido if she's still there. Is, and this is probably. Uh, so many questions are within the subtopics of subtopics, and there was a question that was asked. and This was I can't leave this one out because this person will kill me if I don't ask this question. Uh, but if Chido can't answer, then I'll go to Noctula um, and poor. Is in context of relationships, and you know, mental health already is is a difficult conversation to have with your friends, your family. But where mental health is an issue within an individual, or it's something that they deal with on an occasional basis, about how does one navigate conversations around mental health? For example, you want to put example of which they themselves have experienced. They obviously are in the process of therapy. They obviously have gone through some certain traumas in their life. And as a result, in terms of dating, for example, in a relationship with someone, the ability to say, hey, I have mental health challenges, or if you want to phrase it a different way. And subsequently, because of that, she feels that it creates the issue of ooh hey red flag back away hey this one is hey, maybe this the stuff going on or he has issues going on let me step away how does one manage that kind of view or experience in terms of relationships um i don't know if cheetos there but i guess i can go to pause and i can go to noctula after that
3: Okay, so Peter, um, the question basically is how does one navigate or how does one continue to be in a relationship with someone that has a mental illness? Is that your question?
1: Also, how is it someone can vocalize or how can someone manage dealing with mental health issues whilst trying to build a relationship with someone?
3: Okay, so basically... um. I think, you know what, as, as a person who wants to pursue a relationship and you know that you might have some sort of a mental illness, you have to be honest with yourself at all costs. It's important for you to, to know whether or not you are emotionally ready or mentally ready to even be in that relationship. And when you know or when you have identified that person that you would want to be in a relationship with, it's better in the beginning stages, you sit them down and you tell them that, okay, this is is my these are my challenges and the fact that okay I'm a depressed person or I'm a I'm a person that has anxiety and you tell them that in a case whereby my anxiety can go to an extent of being like this or my depression can go to an extent of being like this this is what you are allowed to do within the relationship because with what I've witnessed from from patients um people hide the fact that they have some sort of a mental illness. And the person, the partner only finds out when they are now two years within the relationship, or even just deeper into the relationship, and you find um, them inflicting pain on that other person, you know. So I think it's just better that You have the conversation in the beginning stages and you establish the boundaries when it comes to um, the mental illness that you currently possess and how the person you are in a relationship with can act towards you if ever it reaches a certain point. So, if maybe it ever reaches a point whereby a person is within major depression, then you guys had an agreement from the beginning to say that, okay it's fine for you to leave the relationship if you feel like you can't continue to be with me anymore. So I think that is how you can, in a way, navigate um, mental health and being in a relationship. Honesty is very important. And also setting boundaries is very important so that the other person doesn't feel obligated to be with you because you have a mental illness.
1: Appreciate that. I guess I'll, I'll try ask one more question and then we can just go to the wrap closing, not a closing statement. It's not, it's not a speech, but it's, yeah, just go to the last round of, of you know, just your, your parting words, if you can put it that. Tula, uh, then I'll go to Chido, then we'll just wrap it up one one last time. Noctula, obviously, you had the conversation so far. And there's, obviously, you in the, you, you obviously work in a corporate space, in a corporate, in a big organization. And there's a question around career management. And relative to that, sometimes when you're choosing a job, sometimes you don't think about, you know you think about okay they're going to pay me well you know is, you know is is the career progression going to be achieved by me working here but what kind of thought process should someone exercise around taking a job whereby mental health is factored in in your view briefly nokthula
2: um you know i always say with the unemployment rate in south africa and um and choosing careers—it's so difficult to to tell people no. Leave toxic environments. Look for toxic cultures, um, because people are unemployed, um, and they need jobs. So this is one way. I don't want to have too much of an of an opinion, um, due to the state of the country. Um, I'm I'm still figuring it out. But what I would say is, you know, uh, being in the recruitment space, um, being in corporate, I do recruitment, I do psychometrics, I do a whole lot of people-related things. You detect um, a company's culture or an organization's culture in the interview. So whenever you go to an interview um, and you, you want to pursue um a career in a specific um, a space on a specific company just detect or study the culture in the interview and think of if you see yourself growing in this company or not because reality is um when, you, when there's no advancement in your career and stagnation things like that influences your um your mental health so just make sure that um, you see a future in the company or in whatever space you're going to be in um, and study the culture up front.
1: Yeah, that's very true. And I think, you know, my own life, personally, when my first job, I did not think anything about toxic work environment. I, like, I got a job, I got an offer, I passed the interview. I'm making money and I'm going to make my parents proud. And I guess, you know, as you start working, you start to realize, yo, whatever I got myself into. But, you know, I guess, you know, as you I guess certain things are also like a learning process as you get older as well. So, yeah, um, i go, I go to Chido, then we'll just go to wrap to your parting words and you, everyone else can just share what they want to part the conversation with. So I just had a bunch of other questions, but time is not on our side. Chido, the context of obviously mental health, and this question is specifically to you, obviously, one being in the medical space and one you deal with a lot of people what is your view on the link between physical health and mental health you know some people say you know uh, and especially guys and i'll say this is men this idea you know if you go to gym you know you just you know go work out you know in shape um uh, it's so right you know your mind just you'll be all happy you know your is your temple whatever and then you know automatically your mind aligns what's your view on that <laughs>
0: Um, I think it's it's a link that we shouldn't completely discard and be like, oh, it's there's, there's no link because there is, you know, when you exercise, you go for a walk or you do whatever, your body releases endorphins and those help you to lift. You, they help to lift your mood. You feel better. You feel more positive. You know, you've got oxygen flowing. it's It's good times. It's good times. So there's it helps, but it cannot be the only thing. Um, it can't. You can't gym away, uh, you know, schizophrenia. You cannot gym away um, depression, anxiety, PTSD. You you cannot gym those things away. So there's definitely a link, and there's um, I'm I'm a big proponent of it. Yeah, get moving, get your body moving, get the endorphins pumping, but also like do the work. Speak to someone. Do the work. If you need medication that's okay too. Diabetics take medication. Hypertensives take medication. You can take medication and then just bring all the pieces together to make, you know, one whole. Yeah.
1: Perfect. I guess to wrap things off uh, I'm going to add and pull back on a few, uh, while someone obviously gives the parting words is we have heard the conversation, I had so many questions. I see you Naptula, know, you've raised your hand. I'll, I'll come to you shortly. Um, The conversation is very broad and and, and it's a pity that mental health can't be just summed up in one hour because there's so many layers to it and which I overprepared, I guess, you know, but you kind of rush through topics is what is the one thing that you'd feel in this context of mental health and particularly in your profession as well is important for someone to kind of leave knowing should they say, okay, I'm about to end this episode that I want to hear what's the one thing you feel you need to share with others that they need to know about you know, this topic of mental health and, you know, those valuable things that you think someone, will, you know, if it's just one sentence, whatever phrase that, you know, you can say, this is important for you to kind of be cognizant of in this topic of mental health. Uh, I'll start, I don't know, too late. you can just extend on to maybe if you wanted to add to what Chido said, or if you want to come back to to the topic around wrapping up. Uh, Noctula, then I'll go to Cindy, so after that.
2: Um, I, I just wanted to add um, on the, the relationship between mental health and physical health. Um, you know, your, your, your mental health affects your physical health. So if you aren't mentally well, you're going to start, if you aren't emotionally well, if you aren't psychologically well, you're going to start experiencing the symptoms in your body. So there is definitely a positive relationship and there's a negative relationship also. Um, I for one, I've been to the doctor and then I explained my situation. This is what I'm feeling. My tummy is not well, I'm bloated, X, Y, Z. And then they realize, no, the issues in my brain. The issue is there's a there's a relationship between the brain and the gut. So if you don't, if you don't manage your stress, you're most likely going to have Um, experience anxiety in your tummy. So there's definitely a relationship. A statement that I'd like to leave with, if I'm someone gonna answer that question as well, um, take time for yourself. Um, In the midst of all chaos, take time for yourself. Another one is embrace vulnerability, um, but make sure it's a safe space. Uh, Make sure that you are vulnerable in a safe space. And lastly, Let's leave the toxic um, toxic positivity. Honestly, we I think there's this toxic positivity where people mm-hmm. just want to mm-hmm. focus on the positive side of things, um, no less focus on the positive side of things. You can still count your blessings and you can still be grateful for you where you are, but also embrace the uneasiness. Um, it's only when we are mindful and present in what we're actually feeling that we're able to overcome it. So, yeah, thank you.
1: Perfect, perfect. Thanks, Nukhtula. Uh, Cindy, so the floor is yours. I don't know if you want to share parting words and most importantly, share how people can also kind of get hold of you if they want to book an appointment or just speak to you.
4: Um, My parting words is that mental health is a practice. And when you do um, find a practice that suits you and feels comfortable with you, um, be cognizant of the fact that you don't have to be perfect do not try to perfect your practice. Just try to do your practice. That's the one thing I really want to say. And then one thing, another thing I want to say is that you are really critical, Wena, yourself as a person. You are your longest relationship so really do try to find ways of better relating with yourself do introspection see what's going on inside and just have a healthy relationship with yourself and that will then create you'll be able to create an environment you want if you yourself feel Right. So um, you can, however, call me or uh, book an appointment with me at, on Instagram, it's mindful underscore therapy, um, tea and tubs. And you can just DM me and then you'll find my numbers there and everything there. And then, yeah, we can take it from there. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me. This is an excellent conversation and it was great.
1: Perfect, perfect. It's always an honor to have different people. And I think the beauty of this, some of these conversations is sometimes you can do a one-on-one with someone. But I think also the beautiful thing is when you can have hop on a, a session with someone that you don't know and be able to kind of see how you relate with certain topics. And I think that's the, also the important top thing about having this podcast is bringing different young professionals to cover different topics that relate to them. Uh, Cheeto, I guess your parting words, um, if people want to get hold of you, should they need to... Whether in a medical space, I'm not sure how that would work, but yeah, yeah. what's your parting words?
0: Okay, um, parting words from me it's okay not to be okay. You are not the only one. Find someone to talk to. It's OK not to be OK. You're not the only one. Find someone to talk to. Um, yeah, I'm available on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm Siame, my name and my surname. Um, I don't really do consultations per se, but I'm happy to speak to people and signpost them and refer them to to colleagues, et cetera, where they can find help. So Siame, both on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Perfect. Uh, shoot, I was hoping Paul was going to join. She said she's going to try to join again, uh, but I think she's going to be unable to. Let me just check this. Hold on. She just sent me a message. Okay. I think she has Wi-Fi issues. Uh, So unfortunately, she won't be able to do a part in words. So I guess this is where we'll obviously end the conversation. Uh, As you probably all are aware, there was probably some other guests who were supposed to join the conversation all the way to Spoo, Spoo, and a few other people and maybe it's important maybe to think about doing a part two uh and you know especially i was thinking about it you know it's, it was going to be an all-female panel i was like ah this topic also affects men where are the where are the male advocates you know and especially men who don't speak about mental health so why, why are they and you know, i was like oh, okay you know what the two guys who couldn't join low shedding and the other lady and another lady could enjoy and there's so many other layers especially finding time for people during the week is very difficult uh but hopefully i'll i'll, I'll try to get a part two and maybe if you guys want to join again but who knows there are also other topics that we can cover and go more detail into some of those subtopics that we spoke around whether it's substance abuse relationships and how you kind of would have share your views on that but from the bottom of my heart i want to thank you guys for availing yourself on a potentially load shed a day on a tough day. You probably just have to cook. You have other responsibilities. You have children, you have friends, family relationships that you have to attend to. And you took an hour to at least talk to a stranger, which on my part, I can not be thankful enough for what you guys have shared in terms of your opinions and obviously your time, which is very important. And it's it's not something you can get back. So on my part, I want to thank you guys. And um, just know that the podcast, so basically the episode should be out within a week uh but hope by monday usually we have a turnaround of these four four days uh so with monday i will let you know send you all the links and all the clips and yeah and then from there you can share the clips typically i avoid posting posters uh these people are going to be here in case they have challenges joining the discussion so at least you know like oh i was hoping i was going to see dr phil and i don't know oprah winfrey <laughs> and then ah you know dr phil's pa said they can't join and now here i am with the poster saying dr phil and then, yeah, but anyway, now besides the point, thank you guys for joining the discussion. I hope you have a great day and rest of your night. And uh f- hope to see you in future discussions. Perfect, uh, yeah. If you guys have any questions, perfect. Enjoy the rest of your evening, guys. And yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. it for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cheers, guys. Thank
0: you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Shop, shop.
2: So far, you've got me
0: falling. I want to breathe and living fantasy. So far, you've got me making,
3: me,